0: Hello and welcome back to Eldritch Girl. Um, so we are now on chapter four. That's going to be in three parts. we so have part one this time and then parts two and three next week. So content warnings for chapter four, which is The Call of the Wild. Um, this is a kind of a fun chapter where you get to see how the shrine works in Wonderwick, which is uh, Beverly Wen's old cottage. Ricky has a content warning all of his own for just being a general asshole, but also uh, it's a very strong language in this one. Um, <laughs> there's uh, the general abduction, murder, um, ripping people's hearts out, that sort of thing is alluded to. Um, Ricky's not at all self-aware, doesn't really care. Um, so you've got that kind of point of view to contend with. Um, and then I'll give you the content warnings for the next part next week um, but just so you know that that's all coming up if you're following along in the print version of the book the paperback which you can get from Amazon and has five beautiful illustrations by Tom Brown um, as does the ebook we're on page one five six which is the start of chapter four so here we go this is the start of um, Part one, enjoy. Chapter four, The Call of the Wild. There is a patience of the wild, dogged, tireless, persistent as life itself. Jack London, The Call of the Wild. 13th of January. After his less than successful attempt the previous day to induct his little cousin into what he was loosely terming discipleship, Ricky inhaled the edge of winter, Thumb caressing the warm surface of the ceramic tile in his pocket. He thought about going to Barrow Field and breaking into the long barrow to collect his thoughts, but instinct tugged him in the opposite direction. Perhaps disciple was the wrong term for Catherine. A mentee, a pupil. Adherent. Acolyte. He grinned. Zealot. The lanes are quiet. He wanted the walk, circumventing the town, approaching Seavy Road from the fields. It's a nice day, he ventured, feeling her resistance a-prickling across the skin of his thumb. You sulking? Silence. she trying to leave again? Silence. Normally, he liked that. Every winter, he walked for miles, savouring it. Nothing but the voices and memories in his head. Walk fast enough, far enough, shuts them right up. Farsight waxing strong, catching glimpses of the near future in every cloud formation and bird in flight. Today, the silence was an absence. He trudged on, moody and abandoned. Catherine had spoiled everything. He never should have brought her in. Should have tied her up and left her in the long barrows out in Barrowfield, or dumped her in the smuggler's tunnel below the woods. Now she was colonising his rooms with teenage debris, poking around in his private spaces, reading his bloody books. Couldn't even stomach an eyeball. He sniffed, coils shifting under his skin. I'm the master. I'm their god. I'm the one and only. Look, I didn't do anything bad. I didn't break my promise or nothing. It's not like that, is it? He took a light run up and vaulted a stile one-handed. The tile bumped against his thigh on the landing. He flicked his hood back up as it slipped down. I only tweak things a bit. I'm not controlling you. The tile bumped against his leg again, and he took this as a sign she wanted to be taken out. He paused, putting it down on the grass. The mistress climbed out of the ground, swelling from the small square point of origin, pushing her way into a human-shaped avatar where the house's consciousness could reside. It looked exactly like the last owner but he was still one of the very few people who knew the last owner was dead. Not controlling me? The voice was deeper than hers had been in life, but still recognisable. I can't let her out. I can't open my doors. Not my choice, Ricky. And you said, yeah, yeah, I know. It's not me, though, is it? It's the old hedge witch, Miss Pritchard's curse, that's all. He stepped back, raising his hands as she extracted one new-formed leg from the ceramic base and stepped towards him. Not fair. I swear she wasn't that tall when she was alive. You messed with the curse, Carrie said, voice ringing in the crisp air. I should have known this was going to get messy. It takes the pressure off of you, that's all, Ricky said, frowning. You can't watch her for me while you're like this, he gestured, and it was only a little tweak to make sure she can't leave once you let her in. Just a little tweak. Well, I'm only going to ask this one more time. "'Whose heart is up my chimney?' he shrugged. "'Some woman I found in a car park.' Carrie towered over him. "'You utter cunt!' "'Oi!' he took a few more steps back, knowing unless he changed there was nothing he could do in this form, not against a seven-foot ceramic and brick woman with the condensed force of a seven-bedroom house. "'What you call me that for?' "'What the hell is wrong with you? You're deranged!' He sighed, huffing a stream of frozen breath into the gap between them. Come on, love. Romans look good for taking her. Or I'd left her and taken another one. It's fate. It's not personal. And it worked. You still keep out my bloodkin. Just, you know, if you wanted, exceptions can be made by me instead of you. And that's better, ain't it? You don't know us. I know us. Stop it. Carrie shook her head. Glass-clear eyes glinting, glossy yellow and silver ponytail rippling like curtain fabric. Stop trying to be devious. I can see through you like a bloody conservatory. Ricky scratched his nose. Not trying to be devious, he mumbled. Makes more sense for it to be me who makes the decisions about my own kin, since I'm living there. I'm the master. You're the what? He backtracked. Lodger. Carrie's plaster face was smouldering, hot iron red. Wood burner smoke purling from her nostrils. He'd made the mistake of telling her to calm down once before, and that had been a near eviction crime. He swallowed down the advice. Lodger, but I'm... He cleared his throat. Look, you said it was all right if she could stay. I asked first. I didn't realise I had no choice about letting her back out again. Carrie was going from incendiary to sullen, he recognised the draining energy in the slump of her shoulders, the slow puffs of smoke turning from ash-dark to lighter steam. She decreased in height by an inch or two, compressing back into herself. I don't know why I try sometimes. He licked his lips, trying to find a solution. Do you want me to get rid of the heart? And do what, shove it back in? Carrie shook her head. I mean, yeah, obviously, but what a waste. I can always use it for... Of life, Ricky. He paused. Oh, right. Yeah, well, she'll still be dead, whoever she was. She pinched the bridge of her nose, now more or less an exact double of Carrie Rickard, a lifelike statue. Mate, can you... Can you shut up? You're doing my head in. She hadn't mentioned eviction yet. He hovered, waiting for her to get back to her usual height. Do you want to go for a walk? Now you're out, I mean, might as well. She gave him a wearied glare. All right, I'll shut up, not another bloody word. Honest. He was rewarded with a tired shrug. Taking this as a good sign, he nodded, sidled by her to pick up the tile lying on the cold grass, and carried on walking. Carrie followed. The tension was worse than family meals at his grandmother's, which was apt, since that was where they were going. She kept an unusual distance between them, not looking at him. He wondered if she wanted more attention, more sanding, maybe, if he could buy another winning lottery ticket in her name and spend it on a surprise like a landscape garden. He'd been meaning to sort that out for months. He got lost in this, imagining the space and the restoration of the 1920s greenhouse, estimating the amount of work it would take, the timescale, whether it would all be done in time to plant the things he wanted to grow. By the time they got to Wonderwick, his grandmother's cottage, he was whistling. Carrie shot him a look. Ricky? hm? You've forgotten, haven't you? What, an event? It wasn't her birthday. She shook her head. You don't give a shit, do you? Rip out someone's heart, kidnap your own cousin. Oh, that. Abduct. You really don't get why I'm pissed off. It's like talking to a wall. Now you know how I feel. Her face was stone. Was that supposed to be funny? He sensed it was time to change the subject. Want to see the old shrine? It's been abandoned since Gran died. Uncle Marcus is using the foreman shrine again. Now Gran can't stop him. Not much. Carrie folded her arms. I want you to stop poncing around with body parts and get your cousin out of me, to be honest. Did that mean she wanted to be just his again? She wasn't hoping for Catherine to stay. She didn't want things to change either. He couldn't help the lurch of happiness manifesting itself in a broad grin. Yeah? You want her gone too? Carrie sighed. Yeah, yeah, there's nothing I love better than it being just us. What's this shrine thing you want me to see? He paused, leaning against the dry stone wall, chest squirming. Why'd you say it like that? What? Like it's not the thing you love best, like I'm not enough for you? Carrie blinked. Oh my God. Yes, my child? She froze for a second, fighting it, then burst out laughing. Prick! She swallowed her amusement and cocked her head. Some God you are. I seem to remember having to rescue you last time your parents had you chained to a kitchen chair. Ricky shifted, insides lurching. I wasn't expecting that. Dad got me unawares, that's all. Has he still got the weird ointment, whatever it was he used on you? Probably. uh, I've i been avoiding them, tell you the truth. He was mumbling for a brief irrational moment, afraid Gran would overhear. He remembered she was dead. He'd finally had it in him to kill her, but he didn't raise his voice. I don't think they told no one else about it. Dad's got it tucked away for their use only, I'd bet. Otherwise, the others wouldn't be half as scared of me. I don't like your dad very much. Carrie studied him, making him strangely uncomfortable. They stood facing each other, Ricky too shy to look up now, in case he chose the wrong moment and spoiled it again, like he spoiled everything. Shut up, not now. She laughed, didn't she? Shut up. He jerked his head. Shall we? Carrie rolled her eyes. Yeah, go on. You realise, though, if I'm manifested here, I can't really tell what's going on at home. I've no idea what she's doing now, for example. You sure you want me here? Ricky shrugged. She won't do much damage. I think she likes you. And I got her curious. I think she'll want to stick around. They went in through the garden gate to the bare earth of Gran's neat garden, giving him more ideas for developing Fairwood's back lawns. She left the cottage to Catherine, he said, putting his shoulder to the back door. It didn't budge. Hm Love? Carrie took over and wrenched it open. Tart. He went in first. The kitchen had been stripped bare by relations eager to get what they felt was owed them. Everything of value had gone. The pots and pans hanging above the sturdy table, spice rack and all its contents, the best china and the silver set, the bric-a-brac and the pot plants. He'd never felt welcome here anyway, but the emptiness served to push him further out. He cleared his throat. Right, he said. Let's have a look. I reckon our Catherine's been playing with this. It feels odd to me. And did you see her with the jars? Is that a human heart? She asks. She knows damn well what they're for. She's seen them used. She was looking for something and I bet you it wasn't a novel. I remember your gran and her sisters back in the day, Carrie mused, looking around the kitchen. You know, I have the house's memories. They used to clean me, it, every day. Your great-aunt Eileen, was it? She lived in for a long time. I can't remember her very well. She barely left any imprint of herself in me at all. She shrugged, sweeping her fingers along the kitchen table. I have memories from the 17th century that are clearer than that. Isn't that strange? She bit her lip and grinned. Thought she was a cut above, didn't she, Eileen Pendle? What was the married name she chose? Foreman. All the foremans think like that, Ricky said, taking another good look around. They all think they're better than us. Never married out of the bloodline, see. His mother had been promised something of grahams some of the china, one of the tea sets. He'd have to throw his weight around if it turned out she hadn't had it. He gestured to the stairs. Coming down? Carrie smirked. You know how to show a girl a good time? He flushed, scratching at the back of his neck. His hood slipped down, but that didn't matter here. Not with her. You can get to know my cousin a bit better if she has been here messing about. You mean you want to get to know her better? Carrie approached the stairs to the cellar and peered down. Radical idea. Literally only just occurred to me, out of the blue, you know, but you could just try talking to her. He snorted to mask his discomfort. Where's the fun in that? Fine. Do your thing. She waved him on, but he let her go first. It wasn't like he hadn't learned his manners. They descended into the dark, neither needing to turn a light on. Carrie was quiet again, which wasn't like her. He wondered if she was still angry with him, even though he'd made her laugh. Maybe she'd get over it with enough distraction. When they reached the bottom and found the old Welsh dresser against one wall, and Carrie spotted the enlarged, mummified heart pinned to a shelf with several hatpins, he remembered again why she was cross. "'Here we are,' he said, hoping she wouldn't notice." Carrie gave him a weary glance. Why is it always organs with you lot? Ricky shrugged. I don't make the rules. Her lips twitched. Look, I'll sort the heart out when we get back. I'll reverse it. I'll give you back your responsibility. I thought I was making life easier, that's all. Really? No disrespect meant love. He shifted on the spot, chest tightening in nameless emotion, swirling too fast to grasp at it. He focused on the task at hand, pushing the feeling away, breathing through the physical symptoms. Carrie was watching him with a softened edge of concern, as if she could see inside his skin. His tendrils were snaking out, betraying him. They retreated with some conscious effort. She came close enough that he could breathe her in, and rubbed his bicep in the back of his shoulder. He allowed himself a shy smile, tilting his head so she couldn't see it. If he showed her how much he liked it, a little treacherous voice whispered from deep inside himself, she might stop doing it for free. "'What are we doing?' Carrie asked, curiosity bubbling over at last, like he'd hoped it would. "'What's all this for? I thought there was a shrine down here.' "'This is it.' She tilted her head. "'That?' "'That's a... That's a dresser, isn't it? There's plates on it.' "'Yeah. Come, what's it? Commemorative.' Are they actually hat pins? Great-auntie Eileen had a thing about hats, don't you remember? One's grand's, one's great-auntie Olive's, and one's hers. Carrie arched an eyebrow. Oh God, is that Charles and Diana? The royal family are important for opening portals to the other side, are they? Ricky sniggered. Don't be daft, they're just plates. And family photos? Is that what all these are? Carrie poked around on the shelves at the frames, the images obscured by dust. Oh, God, what's that? Uncle David? Carrie snorted and moved on. Shit me. He grinned. He was rubbing off on her. Shall we see why our Catherine's been playing around down here? I can feel her. If I know what she was after, I'll know better what to offer. I'm not sure I like this. Carrie tossed her ponytail, teasing the fabric of her hair into individual strands with her stiff, cold fingers. You're getting a bit power-drunk. He stiffened, chest lurching, like the time Gran had caught him climbing up her shelves to get at the gingerbread jar. No, I ain't. Carrie paused. Is this you trying to bond with a member of your family you don't actually hate? He shrugged, looking away. The cellar was swept clean, and apart from the dresser, there was nothing else there. A quick sweep of the walls showed him something had climbed up them recently, within the last few months, tracking small smudged prints across the ceiling. You abducted her because you wanted a chance to chat, didn't you? That don't sound like me. The chatting? No. But then again, you poisoned your own parents for trying to take your toy away, so the methodology checks out. I brought you along for a reason, you know, not so as you can give me grief. He nodded at the shrine. Go do your memory thing. You know, extract the energy from the building and share it with me. Carrie pursed her lips. "Shan't." Please. Slightly better. Still no. Try again. He took a deep breath and let it out in a slow, controlled stream of simmering embarrassment. If you please, Mrs Rickard, I'd be obliged if you saw your way clear to giving me a hand. He shook his head and added, so low he hoped she wouldn't hear. Some people think I'm a god, you know. Some people need a good culling, which is why I'll help you. The fewer of your relatives there are in the world, the better for everyone, quite frankly. Carrie paused. And if I do this, when we get home, that heart up my chimney is gone, right? Cross mine. She snorted. OK, please don't do it again. Promise. Carrie crossed to the wall beside the dresser and pushed herself into the corner it made, taking on the wood and brick aspects of the cottage and folding her frame into a sharp right angle. She pressed in, melting into the wood grain on one side and the brick on the other. He waited while she communed with the cottage for a while, building to building, extracting the memories in its bricks and mortar. He couldn't tell where the avatar ended and the cottage began. He fidgeted, ripping memories right out of the brick. Imagine that. She was sucking them out, the way he drank auras and energies down in his beautiful form, the way he swallowed eyeballs in this one. It was more efficient, more elegant, the way she did it. He wasn't sure how that made him feel, but he didn't like it. Finally, she pulled back. Shit, that was insane. She moulded herself back into a more human, less geometric form. Ricky wasn't sure which he liked best. The angles reminded him strongly of fairwood when the dusk fell and part of her was engulfed in shadow. Right, Carrie held out her hand, and he took it immediately, eager for the polished touch of wood and silky paint against his own palms. Her cold fingers locked around his wrist, and he moistened his lips, adjusting his stance. That good, is it? Pretty good, I got most of the cottage's memories, it can see quite a way up and down the road. I'm guessing you only want the ones Katie's in. The vibrations through his arm were hot, like wafts from an oven. With the heat came pictures, moving, stuttering, layered, dancing in front of his eyes. His head pounded, sinuses pranging painfully with a build-up of pressure. He siphoned through the pictures she channelled to him, and when he came to the one he wanted, he smiled through gritted teeth and let it unravel like a ribbon. just a short part this time because the memory is actually quite long (laughs) Um, but that was the start of chapter four the rest of it is coming next week and I hope you enjoyed it don't forget that you can tip me on Ko-fi for the podcast Um, please do if you would like to that would be really really appreciated you don't have to be a member or anything but you can give monthly if you'd like to Um, if you give a one-off tip, you also get 30 days access to my supporter-only content. So there's that. Um, and there's quite a bit on there now. So um, I'm going to be populating my Kofi a little bit more this month with some exclusive things. If you enjoyed my Halloween special uh, with me talking about and over the 1931 Dracula I'm going to do that again with some more classic films that I love um, but I won't put them on the podcast necessarily I might put those just on Kofi for supporters um, so if you want to get in on that I will let you know here when I've done it and uh, I will I'll let you know <laughs> thank you for listening and I hope you have a great week bye now